It's Brooke Casanova here on the After Success Podcast. I talk to and interview conscious high achievers about lessons they learned behind closed doors that most don't know, about what happened after they hit their big success. We discuss frameworks for how to answer the looming questions like, what's next? And how do we navigate these massive transitions in our lives? What identity reinvention looks like? and how to build a legacy through your unique gifts in your second act. My goal, my friends, is to help you, one, feel like you're in good company and learn how to co-create a new tribe of deep connection in your life, two, step out of the disorientation you may be feeling, and three, flood you with frameworks for how to generate new vision and creativity in your everyday life again. This is the After Success Podcast. You know, there's so much mixed messaging out there about success, um, about whether or not it's okay to want to make a lot of money, for example, and, um, you know, and then there's the, the counter argument to money doesn't buy happiness and happiness is more important Mm. and, Mm. you know, not losing sight of your priorities and what matters and all of that. So, um, I define success is, um, like a three-legged stool is the way I think about it and talk about it. And um, it, specifically with regards to building my business, especially, right? Sure. So all three legs of the stool need to be supported and functioning properly for me to feel like I'm successful. So the first leg is revenue. Like I, my business needs revenue and I want to make a lot of money. I, sure. I feel very at peace about um, liking to make money and yeah. wanting to make money and both for my business and for the employees that I can employ, but also just to have money in my life. Mm. I've um, thought a lot about it. And um, anyway, so money and or revenue, I should say, in the business is one leg of success. Um, But then there are two other legs. The other leg is my work-life balance. Mm. Um, I'm not willing to make a lot of money at the expense of Uh, whatever work-life balance means for anybody listening. For me, I have four kids who are all still at home. My youngest is only seven. And then I have a nine-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 17-year-old. Wow. And so um, there's just certain things that I'm not willing to miss out on, a certain amount of time that I'm not willing to put in. For example, I would really want to do more public speaking, but that requires travel. And Mm. this doesn't feel like the time in my life that I want to be traveling that much. So having the lifestyle I want, working the hours I want, getting enough rest, having enough time for personal care. That is an important leg of that three-legged stool. Mm-hmm. And then the third leg is, of course, impact on my clients and, and customers, that they have to be getting the results that I, I promise they can get, that mm-hmm. um, we're delivering what we say we'll deliver, and we're making the impact we want to make. And so all three of those things do intersect like a Venn diagram in the middle and that is success but it's easy to get um, out of balance i notice for myself and other entrepreneurs um, in any one of those legs Um, for example i see some entrepreneurs starting out who are not charging any money there and there can be valid reasons for that but sometimes it's just we're afraid to ask or we haven't figured out that part and i'm like okay so your clients love it they're getting what they want Maybe you're even working the hours you want and you love what you're doing. They'll say, it's okay. I love what I'm doing. I'm like, that's great. But your business needs revenue to grow. Sure. So it's just thinking about 
all three of those areas. For me. I love all of those three because it's such a like holistic way to mm-hmm. operate. And you use the term out of balance. I would also use the term alignment. I think yeah. so much of your success has come because those three principles that you talked about, whether that be integrity or whether that be the fact that you know that money isn't an evil by nature thing, but it's actually a huge thing that can bless so many lives, your family, your clients, your community. And Mm -hmm. all it does is magnify who you already were instead of like actually infuse you with evilness that now is exploited. (laughs) That's right. And, and, And so whether that's like your, your understanding of a really good relationship with money and revenue or the integrity of your clients or the self-care and not recognizing that the price that you'd have to pay for the success would come at the expense of your most meaningful relationships. Mm -hmm. Most people don't have that figured out. And that's why I was so excited to have you on this podcast because I was like, this is a lady that gets it. Like (laughs) really, really gets it. And I think that those three principles are so, so beautiful. And I will say, it's not like I always have them all perfectly balanced. Sometimes I will work extra hours or sometimes I will, you know, um, take a vacation and not work and things like that. But it's just being aware of it and it's trying to juggle it all the time and keep them in balance over the long term. Sure. Um, Yeah. yeah. Well, and creating harmony, because I don't think that we're ever always equally in balance, but where we can create harmony in like our homes and our businesses and mm-hmm. our lives and our self-care. I think that's the biggest thing. And I think because of that harmony and that alignment that you had, one of your greatest successes is building a $5 million a year business in three years through a life coaching membership. Like mm. this is huge. And I just, <laughs> I, I don't always know if we have the people or the space that like sit us down and say, Hey, pat yourself on the back. This is amazing. And what you've built is beautiful. So I'm curious to know from that success, even though it's a sliver of what success is, mm-hmm. this, this monetary metric, I mm-hmm. want to know what were some of like the key lessons that you took away from oh, actually reaching that. Yeah. And thank you for saying that. I, I am in awe of what, um, we've been able to cre- create. I, I started it on my own and now I have a team that helps me. And so we're all building it together. Um, I think that one of the lessons that stands out the most for me that really helped me achieve success and continues to help me is this idea that you have to be willing to be terrible at things. Mm. Like we always talk about failing is necessary, right? You have to be willing to fail Uh, which none of us love failing, by the way, I'll just say being willing to fail doesn't mean you have to like it. It doesn't mean you you wouldn't want to try to prevent it. But for me thinking about it, because failure just feels like such a big word, a scary word. It feels so risky. It feels like, am I putting my, you know, my family at risk here and maybe even just financially or what have you. But just if I reframe it to like, I'm willing to be not good at this. Then it feels safer, maybe to me, but it it feels doable, but it's not natural, right? Mm. And this is where I see a lot of entrepreneurs either quit or just really stall out. Maybe they're not putting out enough content, for example, is a common thing, right? Sure. Not posting, uh, whether it's a social media strategy or if you're a podcaster or whatever it is. Um, I see people start it and realize it's harder than it seems. 
it takes a while to like find your voice and your rhythm and your way. So in the beginning, you are just copying other people and it sounds awkward because it is awkward. Sure. It's not good in the beginning. Sure. It's just not. And um, so that whole idea, like I'm willing to be not good at this mm. has really helped me go a lot faster. Ugh, that is so good. Okay. So a follow-up <laughs> question from that is, can you give one specific example of yeah. something that you were really, really bad at and yes. you did it long enough to get good at it and now you've seen the fruit of it? Well, I mean, my podcast, for example, mm -hmm. when I first started my podcast, if you go back and listen to the first five episodes, first of all, I was pregnant. Oh. So I, I, you can hear me like trying to catch my breath. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that feeling when you like can't talk because you yeah. run out of air. Yeah. <laughs> and, um... Yeah, I was just, I was trying, I was just finding my way through it. Um, mm -hmm. I'll give you even though a better example, I think, because at least when I started my podcast, I didn't have anybody listening really. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of like, okay, I got to be willing to be not good at this. And I, and that's embarrassing, but you know, I would be thrilled if I had, if a hundred people listened to it, that mm -hmm. would have been a lot. Whereas now I have I get a half a million downloads a month on my podcast. And um, so I feel like there's more people watching now, which makes sure. it harder for me to be willing to be not good at things, but I still have to. So, mm. you know, on social media, um, videos are what convert best now and specifically reels on Instagram, sure. right? And I fought it for a long time. I was just like, I'm not going to do reels. That's not me. Like, whatever. We're just going to keep putting up quotes. And yeah. yeah. Eventually I realized if we're going to utilize social media as part of our marketing, you're, I'm going to have to play this game a little bit. And so I just said, all right, I'm going to go all in on reels. And, and this is the way I like to do it because it's tempting to just, well, I'll just dabble a little and I'll just try a reel here and there. And there's nothing wrong with that. But to your point, Brooke, you're not going to get good at it that way. Sure. And I know the fastest way to get good at it is to do it a lot. Yeah. So be willing to be terrible at it. In front of people yeah, and, and do it 10 times more than you think you should. And so I told myself, I'm going to do a reel a day every day for, I think it was like a two month window. Wow. And I just told myself because this, otherwise I will, I'll watch it and go, oh, that's just not good. I told myself, and they're not going to be good. And we're just going to do them anyway. And we're going to yeah. publish them. Yeah. And um, so first I tried the ones where you're like lip syncing over somebody else's words, you know. <laughs> sure. And then I tried like the the funny like pointing at words. And I, I just like kind of tried all the things. And they were all so cringy. Sure. To me anyway. Sure. You know, some people yeah. liked some of them. But to yeah. me, they're all cringy. But I was like, that's okay. That's what we're doing. Yeah. We're doing 60 yeah. days of, t of bad reels. Because yeah. by the end, I knew I would figure out, okay, this is how I like to use this this mm. software, this platform, this mm. strategy. Napoleon Hill said, quote, in every instance where you find a man or a woman of outstanding achievement, that's you, by the way, in any calling, you will find that they have been a success as a result of a mastermind alliance, unquote. 
Friends, we all want the Mastermind Alliance experience in safe spaces, especially after we've experienced success. After all, relationships are what got us here today. So for any of you who are in the thick of your after success story, your second act is trying to be figured out and navigated, and you desire help with new pivots, new identity, and a new level of contribution with a new tribe of relationships, I invite you to apply for The Last Mastermind. The Last Mastermind is hosted by myself, Brooke Casanova, and it's a three-day in-person experience where you experience a collective genius that helps you uncover your purpose, create your highest contribution, and experience deep connection. You can apply at thelastmastermind.com today.